listeners, and welcome to the Your WSGA podcast, a podcast run by students for students. This is the third episode of this season, and we are very excited to have you here. This episode is going to be a bit different than our regular topics, because in this episode, we will be talking about no one better than me. Woo! Are you excited? I'm excited. Can you tell? For any returning listeners, I am the host of the Your WSJA podcast. I invite guests onto the show, ask them questions, talk about different issues, and we try to put the focus on others. Well, in this episode, we're doing the opposite, and the person interviewing me is Isaiah Collier. In this episode, you will learn a bit about who I am, my role in WSGA, and the goals I have for Washburn University. We are changing things up quite a bit. I know, Megan, you are used to being the person that interviews everyone, but this time we are going to change things up a bit, and I am going to interview you. So, Yay. Yeah. So, uh, for the viewers, uh, or I should say listeners, my name is Isaiah Collier. I'm the Director of Student Involvement and Development, and here we have... Megan Durantes. Megan Durantes. <laughs> Isaiah Collier. So, Megan, um, I want you to feel extremely comfortable. I'm just going to ask you some questions, and this will be more like a conversation. Okay. So, it'll flow. Okay. okay? <laughs> so, no pressure. No pressure. Right. So, let's you start off. You know what I mean? You so, yeah, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, let's start off with a general question. Who is Megan Durantes? That's not a general question. That's already the first hard question. (laughs) Let's see. Megan Durantes is a five-foot Latina with a bubbly attitude, very sassy, but also very curious. I like to learn a lot of things. Okay. So what are you curious about? Like Like what's pushing you right now? Like, what are you curious about right, right now in your life? Right now in my life? What am I curious about? I'm curious about to see what I do with my classes and see if I keep one of them or drop it. But in general, I'm constantly, I constantly like to learn, like, new things outside of my field. I'm a public administration major, triple minoring in Spanish, leadership studies, and Latin and Caribbean studies. And so there's my education there, but then I also like to go on different websites and like look up different animal facts, different like music, different history, just to learn information. And then sometimes I'll just like randomly spout out like, did you know about this? Or did you know about that? Oh, like when you first came in here? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, as you can see. (laughs) So, okay. So you just mentioned about your major, your minor. How did you go about choosing... um, that direction so with my major that was a bit easier I've always been interested in politics since I was a little kid my cousin was kind of my first role model in -hmm. a way because he was involved in like politics and like very passionate about that and as a kid I was like oh my god that's so cool that's what I want to do but when I was younger I constantly changed between like career fields I was thinking of first it was a teacher then a writer then a musician then a lawyer then a judge and then after a while I was like no politics is what I want to do and so 
I came to Washburn because one, it's in the capital, and two, it's big enough where you still don't know everyone, but small enough where, like, faculty members and students will know you. Mm-hmm. When it came to three of my minors, the Spanish one, that one was more of a personal reason because growing up, I didn't know Spanish, like, at all. My dad didn't teach me it despite him being from Mexico, and so I kind of always felt like a divide between me and my culture, even though, like, I have the blood in me, and so I wanted to, like... um get education on that and learn like about the Spanish language just so I can one feel confident about like my cultural identity but then also so that I could talk to like my relatives in Mexico instead of like having to be like oh papi can you translate this or like hey google translate do this for me um with leadership studies that one kind of went hand in hand with my major because like I want to pursue a career in politics and so with that I want to be a really good leader to make sure that I'm serving my community but outside of that when I first did LE 100 I loved the class entirely because one it was challenging me to like reflect on myself reflect on my experiences and for me I'm all about personal growth mm-hmm. any way that I can challenge like my own preconceived notions about myself I'm going to find a way to do that. And then my last minor, Latin and Caribbean studies, that one kind of got pushed on me, I will admit. But um, I think it's more just for me to, like, continue to learn more about, like, different histories, different cultures, and then also, like, have a better understanding of, like, just understanding the history of, like, where my parents came, where my uh, grandparents came, and just overall embodying that. Okay. So I know you just mentioned a career in politics. Mm -hmm. What does that look like for you? So, for me, I have been saying that I will be the mayor of Kansas City, Kansas since <laughs> since my junior year of high school, and since then, I have stuck very well to it. I even had one of my friends, um, she does, like, cup designs, so, like, she has a cricket, and so, like, she'll do different designs. She did it for some of my friends of, like, future doctor, future... Um, like teacher, future lawyer, cute cups. And I asked her like, hey, could you make one for me that says future mayor on it? Mm-hmm. And so she did it, I got it, and I've been using it constantly. <laughs> <laughs> Just to let these people know. Right. I got it. Okay. Okay. So right now you are currently what in WSGA? I am currently the diversity and inclusion director. Okay. And so when, when we talk about DEI work or diversity, equity, and inclusion, what does that mean to you? To me, what it means is, one, having people familiarize themselves with different cultures and different backgrounds, but then also have oftentimes the minority understand their own culture and their own background. Um, The high school that I grew up in, Sumner Academy of Arts and Science, and like that entire district, I grew up where every time I stepped into a classroom, I was never the only person of color in there. I was always with my friends. There were always people of color surrounding me in my classrooms from preschool, elementary, middle school to like high school where I basically grew up with people who came came from the same background as me. And so what that taught me was when we were diverse there, so I was constantly meeting new people. I was constantly hanging out with different cultures. Mm-hmm. In fact, my friend Pamela, she's Hmong, which is a small community if I'm right near Vietnam or between like the border of China 
in Vietnam. And so I spent a lot of time with her just learning about her culture, trying different foods. And it gave me this passion for constantly learning more, looking up the differences, looking at the similarities. And so when I bring that to Washburn, it's similar to that of going out to people, learning about them, understanding their struggles, their stories, their experiences, and then seeing how we can use those to benefit everyone else and just educate everyone else. So this past weekend, you did a uh, DEI training with WSGA. I did. On, um, well, on many things, but more specifically biases and then also privilege. Yeah. So how do you think that went over? I think... Or, 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 or even more to, more to the fact, did you feel comfortable doing the training? I felt comfortable doing the training. I love talking about different topics, especially about like race, sexism, all the other issues. I think more of my fear was if other people were going to be open to listening about it and open to having the conversations because you can talk to a door all you want, but you're never going to open it unless like you put your hand on the handle to turn it. Mm -hmm. And so... I love doing that presentation because one, public speaking is something I very much love doing, but it was also a way for me to be that middle ground for people who may be scared, who may, who grew up in an environment where they just didn't have these discussions whatsoever and explain to them that I don't want you to feel that I am attacking you or telling you that you did something wrong. My hope is that you were able to reflect on everything, that you were able to see what the world really is and not hold and not let that hold you back from being a better version of yourself, but let it be a reminder of what you're working towards. Okay. And I must say, you did a great job. Oh, yay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I really think your peers were very attentive mm-hmm. and engaged. Yeah. And your activities were phenomenal. That's good. Yay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so why did you decide to take on this position? And um, and WSJ, I mean, you know, on cabinet, you can serve on various yeah. positions, but why this specific this specific one? I would say so. In general, the diversity and inclusion director position is relatively new. Mm-hmm. I am the third director since um, first it was Mayela, and then uh, then it was Brandon Moreno, and then now it's me, Megan Dorantes. And the reason I took it was one, not gonna lie, I don't think there was really anyone else who could who could fit the job and still do good with it. There definitely are people who could have fit it, but you kind of need someone who either grew up in the environment, has a history of experiencing the environment, and who is able to communicate with different people in a way where if they, if you need to be direct, they know how to be direct. But if you need to be informal, they know how to be informal. But when it came to me applying for it, it was really doing good and trying to build that sense of community and curiosity that I experienced in high school when it came to learning about different cultures Mm -hmm. and trying to bring that experience to Washburn, which is a PWI, a predominantly white institution. And so automatically it's a little bit difficult to have these conversations when the majority of your school's population may not be opening to talking about them at all. But I think the importance of this one is understanding that though I may not able to do everything that I wish I could do, I'm still doing something and that's still valid. So when you say everything that you wish you could do, explain. Like, what are some key items that if you had a genie in a bottle and and the genie came out and and said, Megan Durante, (laughs) I can grant you three wishes. What are your wishes? What would you say? Uh, My wishes 
would, one, I would wish for people to constantly have discussions about issues that bother them. Two, wish that when you have those discussions, you are respecting them, being open open about understanding where they come from and how they came to those conclusions. And then lastly, three, I would say this is the most important one, is reflecting on yourself and understanding that there is still more work to be done because oftentimes people will think oh I did this this and this okay I'm done now I know everything I'm an expert and what that causes is that the minute they're told no you're wrong they automatically shut down because they've already told themselves that no I'm done I think I'm good Mm -hmm. and so I think in having all of those three together would do a lot of good for the university and then just overall for like the students here and like as they go off towards off like outside of college into the real world you know one of the things <clears throat> that you brought up uh, this weekend was you know when you look at training it has to be ongoing mm-hmm. right and so i definitely want to to charge you with continuing to educate your peers especially yeah. wsg yeah you know you know um when a lot of times when students show up to a retreat Mm -hmm. and they go through a small portion of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion training, they're like, okay, good, done. And it's like, no, you have to continue down this journey, this path. So you probably have to keep pushing that envelope. Yeah, yeah, but I think you are doing great work. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Now this is this this is not a hard one, but okay. this one will okay. What are some university institutional changes? Okay, you wish you could make surrounding DEI. One of the biggest ones I would say is having more professors who are of color at a university. I seen a Facebook post a while back about a question someone shared. Uh, when was the first time you seen either a black teacher, a Hispanic teacher, an Asian teacher? And so I shared it across my with my friends and I had other people commenting, I didn't see it until I was in college. I've never seen it. I didn't see it until I was a freshman in high school and that was the only time. And so for me, I saw like my first person of like my first teacher of color when I was in the first grade. He was my music teacher. And so right then and there, like when that question got shared out and I saw everyone others different answers, it kind of took me away of like I was lucky to have this experience. This is something that I hold on to. But there are other people who did not have this experience at a very important time in their life. So I would say institutional wise some may say that having a person of color as a teacher doesn't do a lot but when you are a person of color it's all about that representation it's about saying that i don't have to fit to the stereotypes that this country has decided for me i can be a teacher i can be a coach i can be a politician i can be all of these things but unless i physically see it it's going to be like, I don't know who to go to. No one else has done it before. Maybe I don't want to be that trendsetter. Then let me go to some place where everyone else has been. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. <clears throat> and so, as a student of color, mm-hmm. um, what has... You know, let's back up. As a student <laughs> of color, what is one word you would use to describe your time here at Washburn University? Ooh. And you could be honest, you know. My time here, I would say educational. 
I because I remember like how I mentioned before with the high school I came to when I first came to Washburn I knew that I was going to a PWI so I like was mentally preparing myself but it wasn't until I went into my first class that I was like oh I really am the only person of color here or walking um, like on campus like the very first like week I was playing this mental game in my head of how many people of color can I find while walking to class and oftentimes it would be like less than 10 people and I'm like oh this it's a huge change and I would constantly tell my friends in high school like hey you may not think it's important that every time you step into a classroom all you see is like other people that look like you but when you go to college especially a PWI you're gonna think really hard that dang I wish I could go back to that but um since then it also challenged me to go out to meet new people and then also to do more work to find my own group of friends because uh, when I first came, one one of the good things and bad things about me going to a PWI and having that small uh, BIPOC population is... And BIPOC is. BIPOC is an acronym that stands for Black Indigenous People of Color. It's a new term that is hoping to change how we use minority because minority can often have a negative connotation. So mm-hmm. BIPOC is a more neutral playing ground. But when I first came here, I was very adamant on... If I find someone who looks like me, I am going to go out of my way to build that connection because the biggest thing you need is support. One, you're going to a new place. Two, no one else in my school from my class came to Washburn, so I was automatically had no friends at all. And so it gave me the motivation and the power and the urge to go out there, meet new people. And then the minute I build those relationships, it's how can I how can I have other students build these relationships just like I did. So I would say definitely educational. Um, With my experience in WSGA, I definitely learned a lot. One about like time management, one about like crisis control, and then even understanding like the conflicts and like my own culture and like gatekeeping. Um, Sometimes when when BIPOC students go to a PWI, there is that fear of, I don't want to lose this side of me that I grew up on. So I'm going to keep it for myself. And if anyone tries to learn more about it, I'm not going to allow them because this is mine. And so while that can be something that students are experiencing, it's something that you shouldn't be leading on because what it causes is that you continue this preconceived notion that there's one side on this side, one side on that side, instead of intermixing together and learning about everyone and then building those connections and because then if you don't build those connections, it's like, well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? You never talked to me. You never spoke to me about this. And it's like, I wanted to speak to you about this, but there was already a divide that none of us really decided to create. So it's important that we build those connections. How important is it to have a seat at the table? And what does that even mean? So I talked about this in my presentation. Um, Whenever we hear like diversity and inclusion, oftentimes you'll hear like diversity is having that seat at the table, inclusion is belonging. And so in my presentation, one of the questions I asked was, which one is inclusion? And I showed two different photos. One of them was a table with two chairs. One was a bit higher than the other and one was lower. And then the second picture was a table where all the chairs were at equal height. And so 
when I asked like everyone like which one represents inclusion, it was about 50-50 where half thought it was the table with the high chair and the low chair and another half thought it was the chair with all of them at the same height. And I explained to them that inclusion and having that seat at the table is more of having your chair at the same height. Because you can have that that chair at the same table, that's diversity, but when you're having a conversation with someone, you like to be at a talking level with them. You can't be at a talking level with them when someone's chair is higher than yours. That's more diversity. And so inclusion is more making sure that you can have those seats at the table, but you need to make sure they're at the same height. Other than that, you're really, you're being more diverse-ish rather than diverse. Agreed. No. <clears throat> you know, a lot of times people tend to use the word um, equality mm-hmm. in, and equity interchangeably, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, uh, I find, you know, you have to define both. Mm-hmm. How do you define both? So equity and quality, I will say when I was younger, I definitely got them confused a whole bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Equality is probably the more popular one that everyone uses where it's like everyone is at the same playing field. And that's true. That's what it's supposed to be. And that's something that we all strive for. However, equality can only be accessed when your history was already founded on equality. With us and like our history, either at Washburn or with the entire United States, our history was not founded on equality. It was more founded on we're going to help these people and leave everyone else to fix it for themselves. And so now with our generation shifting to more, we want equality, we want equal rights for everyone. We have to be able to understand that though we want equality, what we really need to be striving for is equity. There is this really good picture that you can Google that explains the difference between equality and equity. And it's like... It's the picture of four people at a baseball game. Mm-hmm. You have an adult, you have a kid, you have a toddler, and you have a baby. Equality is putting everyone at the same height of the box. The kid will not be able to see it. The toddler will not be able to see it. The baby will not be able to see it. But the adult will. While equity is having those same people, but each box is at, each box is at a different height, where the baby may need more boxes, the adult may need less, the toddler and the child may need more, that's more equity. Right. And so so what happens is that when people think of equity, they think of, oh, why are we helping them? Why aren't they working hard? Why aren't they doing all this work like I had to do? And equity is not a question of, of your own personal hard work. It's a solution to the history that said that we want you to be hardworking, but only if you're this race, only if you're this type of person. Other than that, we really don't care. And so we really need to strive more for equity rather than equality. Another popular term tends to be microaggressions, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times people, you know... I've done this whole series on microaggressions. I've actually created videos really uh, based off of uh, based on you know microaggressions. What does that mean to you? Microaggressions to me, you either realize that you have them, or you don't realize that you have them, and then you're questioning why someone may be acting the way they are. A good example that I have actually happened to me during the summer where. For, I would say the first time in my life, like I experienced microaggressions, I experienced stereotypes, I experienced being the token minority, which is something I never experienced mm-hmm. in like my 20 years of living. 
And the first like two weeks of my internship there, I had my manager keep calling me Morgan while my name is Megan. Now, I played it off. I'm in a new environment. You know, maybe she's struggling trying to remember my name because apparently Megan and Morgan sound the same, but I played it off. It wasn't until later in the internship when I realized that she wasn't playing it off because there was a Peruvian man whose name was Luis and she kept calling him Luis. At that point, it clicked in my head. I'm like, oh, this is what a microaggression is. And what it is, is saying is thinking that because you are a certain race, because you are a certain thing, that you are automatically at a lower place or you automatically like certain things. It's different from a stereotype or a stereotype. You automatically like tell that person directly while a microaggression is something that is small. It is something that you don't see. Um, I'm watching this movie, not this movie, the series on Amazon Prime called Them. Really good. Recommended. Oh my goodness, it is so good. And there's a scene where the black family is buying a television Mm -hmm. and the shop owner is like, oh, you should buy this television. You know, you and your hundred cousins can come over and spend time watching this. And I automatically knew that is a microaggression. You were because you are known you know the stereotype that apparently black families have are huge that you automatically assume that this person because they are black will have a huge family. That's not the case whatsoever. And so it was funny cuz later in that scene um they ended up buying the television set and the man the black man tells them well you should buy a whole bunch of ice cream cones for you and your 100 family members and the man was automatically confused and it's like well you did the same thing to me right yeah you know microaggressions are are very uh subtle Mm -hmm. they can be yeah you know um but they're not also they're not limited to just race um it could be gender it could be sexual orientation yeah Yeah. they run the gamut so yeah and even like teachers one thing that I explained in my like presentation was that you can still be a good person and you can still have problematic moments. And like with those microaggressions outside of like race and ethnicity, um, oftentimes teachers, whenever they're like, oh, can I get all the strong boys to help me carry these? It's like, oh, why didn't you say girls too? <laughs> like, what are you trying to imply? And oftentimes no one sincerely tries to do these, but it's something that you have to recognize in yourself. And just acknowledge that, oh, what I said is problematic. Let me change this so that next time, if I'm in a similar situation, I don't make the same mistake before. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more about just being aware. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And educating yourself. And But also, <clears throat> you know, we also have to take ownership, right? So, yeah. like, when, say, for instance, if that manager called you Morgan, that was a perfect opportunity for you to say, like, mm, mm. it'll be, it, I'm begging. Yeah. I mean, I've had that happen. Like, you know, obviously my name is Isaiah. I've had countless people call me Isaac. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it, it is extremely annoying. Yes. And I don't hesitate. I mean, I, I think when I was younger, I probably did used to pull back and mm-hmm. not be so assertive. Yeah. But as you get older. It's like, no. You you care less. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, let's shift a bit. All right. So, tell me about your upbringing. I mean, mean, we know about college, Megan. Yeah. You know, which is fantastic, obviously. But tell me about your upbringing. Oh, my goodness. Now I can go on and on. So, 
I am originally from Kansas City, Kansas. I lived in Wyandotte County my entire life. Best county. I don't care what anyone else says. <laughs> um, I first lived in Argentina, which was a historically Latin and Hispanic community. I had a family on my mom's side that lived over there. And so then we ended up moving to Strawberry Hill, which was more historically a Polish community. And so automatically when people think like of Hispanics, they either think like middle to lower class, living in poverty, huge family, all these issues, working on their citizenship. That was not my family at all. I would often in high in elementary school, I would ask my friends like, hey, where did you think I come from? Like I came from like before I came to the elementary school. And they're like, oh, I thought you came from like Johnson County, Blue Valley, Olay, the like rich, affluent mm. neighborhoods. And I'm like, nope, I came from Argentine, down where all the Hispanics <laughs> are at. And so I, my mom, both of my parents have degrees. My dad, he's from Veracruz, Mexico. And so he immigrated to the United States when I think he was around 18, 19. And then my mom was originally born in San Diego, but then lived her entire life in Kansas City, Kansas. And she had uh, my brother, we're 10 years apart. And she, during that time when she went to college, she went to Benedictine. She was working a full-time job. She was taking care of my brother. She was doing all of this and just didn't have the traditional college experience. Okay. And then, excuse me, and then my dad, he went to school in Mexico where college is a completely different system than the United States, where um, he how like American colleges have like organizations, parties, all this funds like you see in the movie. Mm -hmm. Mexico is very much more like, oh, I'm just here for classes. Other than that, I go back home and like work. And so my dad grew up in that. And then when I was growing up, I first started out of Catholic school and then I went to public school. And during that time, I was, we were pretty much middle to upper class I didn't know any Spanish and so at that point I remember like when I was younger I was having like my first identity crisis mm -hmm. within my own community because I was like being bullied by kids being oh you're not Mexican you don't know Spanish and then I was having adults be like oh why don't you know Spanish like are you ashamed are you not proud and it's like I am literally seven years old why are you attacking <laughs> me but other than that um in elementary school and middle school and high school Definitely in elementary school, I was always known as the kid who would talk a lot. I would have my teachers, like, anytime we had parent-teacher conferences, they were like, Megan, you talk a lot. And I'm like, yeah, like, what's, what's wrong with that? <laughs> and I remember there was this one time that we had a substitute teacher for a while, and she, like, gave us little notes of, like, thank, like thanking us for being nice to her and mm -hmm. her gave us, like, advice growing up. And she told me, like, Megan, make sure, like, your assertiveness is one of your best qualities. As a little kid, I don't know what assertiveness means. I'm like, oh, this is a new word. What does it mean? And then I looked it up and like looking back on it, I'm like, she was automatically able to pick that quality up for mm -hmm. me as a kid. I didn't realize that until like I was in high school that I had this quality. And so in high school, I was very much the teacher's pet, I will admit, but I wasn't the kind where I would remind the teacher of the homework because there would be times I would not do it, mm -hmm. but I was heavily involved in elementary school. I would ask my teachers like around school, it was either starting or ending like, hey, can I help like set up the classroom for you? Can I help take things down? Um, I loved, I was a social person, always building connections with my teachers. 
And there's this one time where I asked my second grade teacher, hey, you should drink margaritas with my family. <laughs> so, and what ended up happening is that she actually did. It actually ended up working out. Um, but middle school, same thing. I played the violin for about eight years, starting in elementary to like my senior year of high school. Did that, loved it, trying to get back into it. Same thing, super involved, very bubbly. At that point, I was trying to get a little bit more in touch with my Hispanic community, but it was still very much withdrawn from it. And I, in elementary school, I didn't really think about like high school until my third grade. Cause I remember my third grade teacher was like, you know, Megan, there's um, Sumner Academy. It's like the top school in Kansas. It's the top school in our district. Like that's where all the small, smart kids go. And, like, I can see you going there. And so how kids have, like, their dream college, I had my dream high school. Mm -hmm. And so I remember, like, I would really focus on my academics and make sure, like, I got into, like, my dream high school. Ended up getting in. Loved it. Seminar Academy of Arts and Science. That's the best place to be. Love the Savers. (laughs) And there, same thing, super involved. And I had this idea that once I go to once I go to high school, I'm going to be the straight A student. I'm going to have all these top grades. Like everyone's going to know me. I'm going to go to this amazing college. And it wasn't until I think maybe my eighth grade year, because my school was weird. We started eighth grade until like twelve, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until like one of my classes where I was like. Yeah, this isn't for me. Like, I like to have fun. I like to go out and meet new people. Right. Like, y'all focus on my academics, but I don't want to be the bookworm that just does that. I want to, like, spend time with people. And so I ended up, like, switching that and then just, like, for uh, focusing on my ca- academics, but then also, like, getting involved with my organizations at school. At school, I was probably there 24-7. School started at 8. I was there at 7 a.m. School ended around 6 after football practice. I was probably there until 7. I was constantly at school just because I loved the environment so much. I loved everything there. And during that time, I had about maybe four different internships. I had an internship with our... Um, with this organization called, uh, I think it was Tutoring KC. Mm-hmm. I tutored uh, elementary students, and then I had an internship with our local police department. And the reason I did that was because this was during the time of the Blue Lives Matter and the Black Lives Matter movement. And so I was kind of conflicted, and I wanted to understand the other side, the Blue Lives Matter side. And so had that internship there. It was really eye-opening, really loved it. And then my other two internships were at the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City. And so those were very important, like my own personal development, like challenging me and like my leadership qualities. And I think then I started thinking about college and it was either Emporia or Washburn. I ended up going to Washburn because they sent me a lot of mail. And <laughs> that I tell them, and in my head, I was like, that's why Washburn wants me. Because Emporia, they would send me mail, but not as much as Washburn. And I was mm-hmm. like... Someone wants me more than the other. And it was Washburn. And it was Washburn. And here you are. And here I am. And so I am probably, I'm really grateful for like all the experiences that I had in like elementary, preschool, and especially with my relationship with my parents. Uh, my old high school debate and forensics coach, we would like, we would have conversations about the like 
theories and mm-hmm. like we're in high school talking about like systematic racism inequality why the earth is round like stuff that we shouldn't be talking about mm-hmm. as kids and she told me that you know megan you have a really good relationship with your parents that a lot of people don't have and it also wasn't until i came here that like listening to people's stories about like their relationships like with their parents their grandparents their siblings it made me like be really grateful for the relationships that i had and I ended up joining a sorority here, and my line name is Renee. So that has a huge significance because, like I mentioned, my mom, she went to college, but she did not have the traditional college experience. Mm-hmm. And so I chose that name because I wanted to pay homage to her for all the sacrifices that she had to make for me and my brother. And her middle name is Renee. And as a kid, like all the other Hispanic kids would be like, you spelled your name wrong. Like the last E is supposed to have an accent. And so oh, yeah. my name, Renee, has like the last E on the accent oh, gotcha. to make mm-hmm. up for that. And mm-hmm. so I would like and with my parents, with college, even like with my own life in high school, I did debate in forensics and uh, even then, I was constantly challenging, like, taboo topics and preconceived notions. And one event I did was informative speaking, where, like, you either speak about a topic for seven minutes or ten minutes. Ended up doing an Info 7, and my first topic was about masturbation. Oh. <laughs> I was a sophomore, and that was that was my topic. And so I told my coach that. And she was like, absolutely, go for it. And so I was like, nice, I have that support there. And then I was thinking, oh, how do I tell my parents that I'm going to be right. talking about this? And so I told my mom, and she's probably, like, one of the main reasons why I'm very, like, vocal about just talking about taboo mm-hmm. topics. Because she was like, okay, yeah. Let's see. Let's go along with it. And traditionally, parents are like, absolutely not. For a sophomore, absolutely not. Who told you you could talk about this? Sophomore, sophomore, senior, junior. Yeah. <laughs> How do you? What's going on? But she was even when she was in high school. Like some of the stuff that she would do. She went to a Catholic high school. And, like, one of the things that she did was to go out and, like, interview, like, prostitutes, interview them at brothels. And for a Catholic school, that's automatically, like, hold on now. Like, we don't do that. But she was already doing that. And so I think I gained that quality from her of, like, Mm -hmm. constantly going out and just, like, challenging everything. And then with my dad, because he immigrated from Mexico. And so I'm his only daughter. And for him... It's been very much an adjustment of, like, him just experiencing American culture and Mm -hmm. especially experiencing it with me. And one of the things I gained from him was a smart mouth Mm -hmm. (laughs) because my my father and I, we would constantly bicker about the littlest things, even when I was a kid. Constantly go back and forth to the point where, like, my mom is basically the referee in our family because me and my dad (laughs) would go at it. And, like, she just won't engage at all. Mm -hmm. She's like, either way, I'm not going to deal with this. But both of them with their support, it's been a huge thing, especially coming to college and like everything that I've experienced. I'm... Wow. Yeah. Last question. Okay. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Uh, the next five years. Okay. I will graduate by fall 2023. So in the next five years, I will already be a graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, Kansas City, Kansas mayoral elections happen in 2025. <laughs> <laughs> so I will probably, hopefully, I'm manifesting this now. I will be mayor of Kansas City, Kansas in the next five years. Um, 
let's see, when it comes to, like, family, I don't know. I'll be, what, I'm 20 now, I'll be 25. Yeah, no, that's still too young to start a family. Nope, I'm good. I'll, I'll be the rich aunt for now. <laughs> but um, I think in the next five years, I'm definitely going to stay in Kansas City, Kansas. Okay. Like, that's Strawberry Hill. That's my neighborhood. That's where I grew up on. Um, hopefully I'll have a good job. Hopefully I'll have a house. I don't know what this housing market though. So well, five years, it'll be hopefully, <laughs> but, um, I think by then I'll hopefully accomplish like the main things that I want. I'm one of my, like my Clifton strengths finders is futuristic. And mm-hmm. so after like, I found out the mayoral elections, I was like, okay, once I'm mayor, boom, I'm done. Let's be a teacher. Let's go back to what I wanted to be as a kid. But I think, those are probably be the best ones. I know the one for sure will be I will be a graduate. That one for sure. Well, yeah. Everything exactly. everything that's else, I don't know. But right. that right. one I know for sure. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you have you have heard it here first. Mayor Durante. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Well, everyone, that wraps up this week's episode. A huge thank you to Isaiah Collier for interviewing me as this was something I had a lot of fun doing. It was interesting to be in the other person's position for once and get to share my experiences and story. We want to give a thanks to all the listeners out there who are still with us. Lastly, make sure to follow us on our social media at YourWSGA on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook at Washburn Student Government Association. Be on the lookout for our next episode. And thanks for listening.